Discord on this computer. And then we do screen share. Mm. I don't see screen share anymore. Uh -huh. <laughs> there has. Uh, so I'm ending that. I wonder if I can record it, maybe. You know, oh, brilliant. I You can Ooh. you can record if I make you co-host. I just sent you a request. <laughs> Brian. <laughs> I, okay. Um, all right. And you just do your thing. Okay. So it's recording. All right. <laughs> um... Let me see. I see Bella sleeping back there. She, I think yeah, she has like she, a little stuffed animal. She had her walk. And look at little Sophie's taking a nap too. Oh, <laughs> Okay. Do you see this? Mm, I still see us. Okay. Oh, there we go. Perfect. Okay. Why don't you start recording over again? Is okay. that easy to do? Yep. I'll stop. Stop. And let's record. Pause record. It still says it's recording though. The recorded okay. file will be converted to him before the meeting ends. Okay, well. Okay, that's good. Now it's recording. All right. I'm gonna, I'm gonna not touch it. So welcome, I'm Gail Kimball and I'm with a mom of two young children named Corinne. And we'll learn about her in a minute. We're gonna learn about teaching spiritual tools, Psy for kids and the young at heart. And uh, this is our agenda. We're going to learn about Generation Y and Z, and that's based on my interviews with global youth activists for six books. We'll learn about the current youth anxiety and epidemic that definitely requires side, side tools to help these young people who are anxious and depressed and worried about the future. We'll learn visualization tools for resilience and other stress reduction methods, including emotional freedom technique, which is tapping on acupressure points. And we'll talk about how to discuss reality with kids, um, starting with the book, Answers to Kids' Deep Questions and Photos, and then you can go from there to make your own. And Corinne, hop in at any time with questions, comments, your experiences. Okay. Um, so let's be clear what psi. Uh, psi is a Greek letter. It refers to the psyche. And I think of it as referring to anomalous events, events that don't seem to have any common sense explanation. Uh, Ion's Dean Radin defines it as non-local consciousness that affects psychic phenomena. Non-local means it has effect everywhere. There's no time, no space. It's really okay. an amazing concept. And psi applications fall into seven categories, according to Dean Radin, who's an incredible scientist. Communication and control, healing, intelligence, forecasting the future, Archaeology, like looking at the past, like in you know ancient ruins, like Stephen Schwartz has, dowsing, uh, like with a dowsing rod or pendulum, mm -hmm. and counseling. So, um, what's an example? Well, our Corinne is an example. Um, I do a every other week Zoom class, clairvoyance and healing, and. Corinne's mother had recently passed over, so I was kind of checking in to see how she was doing with the transition, and I saw her with a big white standard poodle, and I'd, I'd never seen this before, a person on the other side with a 
pet. I know that it happens, but I just hadn't seen it. And I saw, so I told Corinne and she goes, that's Sophie. And do you mind showing us Sophie right now? <laughs> Sophie, come here, baby. Come here, baby. Hi. This is Sophie. Come here. Come here, baby. There she is. Oh, Sophie. Hi. She's such hi. a good dog. She's such a good girl. Hi, baby. Come say hi. Oh. <laughs> She's saying, that's good. Taking a nap. And, um, day. No, yeah, no wonder your mother loved her and used her as a comfort uh, image on the other side. That's great. Yeah. Um, and then um, another example of Psy is I do every Wednesday free community energy balancing. And I was working with a young man before I had uh, surgery on my gums and I was nervous, anxious about it. And he said, well, I, I'm just getting that Carol King song tapestry is gonna be really healing for you. And of course that was the song that I heard just as I was going under. And then it was like a signal from the universe, you're gonna be fine. <laughs> um, so, what psi means is that what isn't easily measured, like thought, has an intention, has effect. And so that defies common sense in many ways. So what's the evidence that we really do have power in our thinking and our intention? Um, to me, one of the strongest proofs is people who have disassociative identity disorder where they have multiple personalities that aren't integrated. One personality can have diabetes and the other not. One personality can be reactive to a certain medication and another not. One could need reading glasses and the other not. So that's when you think about that, just the personality change in the same body causes these huge changes. That's I think that's great evidence that thought has power. Um, and everyone knows about placebo, that pharmaceutical companies have to test their new products against a sugar pill because often the sugar pill is 40 to 70% as effective or more effective than the, the pharmaceutical. Um, because, and that, that's true even if people know they're getting a placebo. A Harvard professor is working on this and found, if, even if I tell you this is a sugar pill that's helped other people with their symptoms of pain or whatever it is, they, they, it has an effect. <laughs> Amazing. We know that like a stage hypnotherapist can take a pencil put it on the hypnotized person's skin and say, this is a cigarette and the body will get a blister. Yeah. Um, we have a physical reaction to movies. Movies are not real. They're just images on a screen, but we react, our blood pressure goes up, we cry, we, we you know, we join Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> right. Um, athletes know that you can just imagine strengthening a muscle without even moving it and it strengthens. <clears throat> and I think most really top level athletes do a lot of mental rehearsal. They visualize just the right swing or the right tennis serve and just doing the mental rehearsal um, strengthens the muscle. They use that in the military a lot too. How, how so? Um, so they'll go through different, like in case of scenarios. So if you're a pilot, if your engine goes out on the right side, which controls do you use? What do you do first? What's your order of, you know, they go through every scenario and that way when, you know, an emergency happens, they're like, okay, left engine's out. That's, you know, this You set don't of have to think. Right. It's automatic. It's automatic. Yeah. Um, Ions Dean Radin and Stephen Schwartz and others have done a lot of research with intention changing how people react to chocolate, tea, wine, something like that. So they'll take 
chocolate divided into two. This batch is meditated over, prayed over, intended over, and this one isn't. And then people try it and they find that they get a better mood result or better flavor. They like the chocolate that's been uh, influenced by thought. Mm -hmm. There are a lot of studies like that. And then I insist on a really good bibliography of spontaneous remission of terminal diseases. Um, and there's a book called Cure, where he studied people who had stage four cancer, told get your affairs in order, and they remitted. And what he found in Cure is that it's they changed their identity, their sense of themselves as well as doing other kinds. They of did a study where they took a bunch of veterans and they put them back in time. So they put some of them in like different stages of back in time. So some of them went all the way back to like, they would put them in um, like an airstream that was completely dated back to the, you know, the fifties and they would have the magazines and the TV shows and the food and the appliances, everything like the TV, the news that was going on at that time. And what they found is they let, they did like three months. And then the other guys, they would just show them articles and newspapers from that time. But they weren't like completely immersed in it. And what they found were the guys that they were completely immersed in it. They started to reverse the aging. Like their eyesight got better. Hmm. They have less aches and pains. Their inflammation went down. Their blood pressure, like they literally, their mind was going back to their 20-year-old self. So they getting felt younger. To go to war, you know. Yeah, that is, and, I and know then they found a, to a lesser degree, the guys who were just reading the newspapers and stuff, they had it a little bit, but not nearly, you know, not as much, but it did have some effect. Yeah, because they, they felt young. And their yeah, eyes and they reminded them, yeah. I'm going to go along with that. And I've got, you know, 60 years left of my life. I better start making new cells. <laughs> mm, interesting. Um, so... Why do you need these side tools that we're going to talk about? Um, there's an anxiety crisis, a mental health crisis that has gotten a lot of news coverage. Um, the 2023 uh, CDC uh, report on youth risk behavior found that 57% of high school girls, isn't that amazing, felt persistent sadness or hopelessness in 2021 double the rate for boys. Wow. One in three girls had seriously considered suicide and 13% had attempted it. Yeah. And one of the key scientists said, young people are telling us they're in crisis. So obviously yeah. the question is why? It, it got worse during COVID, but it was peaking before. And the media and some scholars like Gene Twingy emphasize social media. But what I found in my interviews is that's not the main problem. Um, that young people are really pressured to succeed mm -hmm. and they worry about the planetary future. They don't know, should I have children? Why do I want to bring them into a world that's being destroyed? Yeah. So I think from my interviews with young people and I found I wrote a book called ageism and youth studies because I found that even scholars of youth studies don't talk to them they do like multiple choice questionnaires large mm -hmm. ones but that's different than sitting down one-on-one -on -one and tell me about your life and when I've done that I, they're stressed they're uh, American teens are going to school have a lot of homework if they want to get into college a lot of them are working. They're trying to build their applications with extracurricular activities. They don't go to bed till 12 or one. So I think another- And then they've got their phones that keep them up for another hour and a half after that. Yeah. Um, and and so no, and then I think part of the problem is they don't get enough sleep. And we no. know that's depressing. Oh yeah. And we know teens need a lot of sleep. Yeah. And it's hard to think when you're just so exhausted, you know, yeah. you just can't you know, like it's, ugh, I hate yeah. that. Um, and then what I've discovered from my interviews with global youth is the idea that boys will be boys 
is common around the world. And I, I, I don't, I mean, that is really a huge explanation of why the huge difference in the gender in mental health. It's because boys get permission to goof off and be silly and not get straight A's or whatever. So there's, <clears throat> there's more pressure on girls to be achievers, to be perfect, to prove themselves, to look good and um, do well in school and be popular. So I, I'm not saying that social media it isn't harmful, but it also has been very helpful. It's been supportive. There, people can network and connect in similar interest groups. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's to me, it's more than social media. Um, so who are Gen Y and Gen Z? Y was born 1981 to 1996, and Z was born 1997 to 2012. Um, so I did a series of books on Gen Y, where I interviewed and surveyed over 4,000 young people under 18 in 80 countries. Wow. These are some cool. of the books. Yeah, I learned a lot. And I had fun because I would, wherever I travel, I'd talk to global youth. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Go to schools, drop in, whatever. So um, uh, I, I have online and uh, a summary of their top responses to the questions. But in terms of our focus on Psy, these are the questions that I thought would be illustrative of where they are spiritually. Um, so the first question I asked is, what question would you ask of the wisest person on the planet? Totally open-ended. So all my questions are open-ended. Don't dictate any answers. And 22% wanted to know about the meaning of life. 21% asked, you know, who are you? What made you so wise? <laughs> <laughs> and 11% asked questions about science and social science. And uh, over 6%, which is a lot because there were many different categories, um, they wondered what happened after death. That surprised me because, oh, they're so young. They're not anywhere near that part of their life. Right. Why are they thinking about that? Mm -hmm. um, only 18% asked about personal success. So we can see they're altruistic. Right. So Gen, Gen Y and Z, partly because of the internet, they care about other people because they know about global problems. Yeah. They, they see it on their screens. Right. Um, and then I asked them, what's the purpose of your life? And they said they want to do good works, 30%, worship God or Allah. And by the way, the Muslim youth were the most religious mm -hmm. of all of them yes. and help their families. And only 10% didn't know their purpose. So they, they really see themselves as here to do good, which I think is encouraging. And then same, I asked about your career goals and uh, they were all altruistic except for business, which was the second category, medical professional, business teacher, do good, social work, counseling. Um, now I was, because we're so concerned about stress that feeds into the mental health crisis, um, one of the questions was, what bothers you? What bugs you? Um, schoolwork, um, human nature, like other people are selfish or mean or whatever, and their peers. So we can see, as usual, adolescents um, are very peer-oriented. And I also interviewed elementary school kids, too. But no one, no one said social media. Um, What's one thing you change about adults? I think this is good for us to have feedback. Uh, adult, adults are too bossy and strict, 15%, <laughs> too arrogant, 12%, have bad habits like smoking and drinking and gambling, 11%, and should be more understanding. They really asked that we listen to them. Mm. They felt like adults talk at them. Mm. I can see um, 
when have you felt most loved? Um, no surprises by family. And especially in difficult times, like if you're sick. Mm-hmm. And they they got love from their family for doing well in school or sports. And um, they they felt loved when they felt understood 6%. So that that was interesting. Okay, yeah. so the Gen Z, the younger ones, um, I interviewed 54 climate activists from 31 countries. Everything I do now is global because we have such a global- Yeah, the planet's such a small place now. Such a small place. And they think Generation Z is powerful. And they, they use that word a lot, power, 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 um, mm-hmm. because they're informed by the internet about global issues they're more moral they don't they don't respect adults very much because they see what we've done to the planet and what are, what have we done create wars and environmental destruction um and they they're more media and tech savvy than their elders and mm-hmm. so many of them are used by their elders as the experts uh-huh I think probably all of us have done that with a young person. Oh, hundred <laughs> percent. I give Max my phone all the time. Make it work. Really? How old is Max? 10. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. Um, and then they, they're confident partly because in, in comparison with adults, they feel they shine and adults are dull. Um, but the climate girls, uh, it's interesting. Two thirds of them were first born. Um, they're optimistic. They, this is how they describe themselves. Communicative, wholeheartedly feminist, determined, passionate, and caring. And I asked them what motivated you to do your environmental work. And it was by, you know, people like Greta Thunberg who are in the news or, um, by their parents. So they're, definitely caring and confident but at the same time anxious which is hard to pull, pull all these pieces together yeah and then my most recent book about youth is uh called young global change makers for a feminist future the the cover you see is a woman named agnes chow who was a leader in the democracy movement in hong kong it got stifled by Beijing. So I don't know where she is now. Um, So um, the main characteristic of those activists is self-definition. They reject stereotypes and categories. So Maria is a teacher in Uruguay. She said, we're constantly constructing and deconstructing ourselves. They resist traditional socializing forces like religion, family, social norms. We know this generation is really questioning things we took for granted, like gender. Are you a boy or girl? Oh, that's easy. It's not easy for some of them. Yeah, yeah, who reject that. And none of these um, young change makers um, emphasize religion. Um, I interviewed a woman in Sri Lanka who comes from a Buddhist family, and she said she really believes in the concept of karma, cause and effect, um, but no one is, is really devotional in terms of going to religious institutions and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So they're, they're, they're spiritual and caring, but not religious, and that fits into their uh, unwillingness to be characterized by labels. Um, okay, now we go to the third section of, of what are tools? How can we work with kids to deal with the anxiety and the depression and stress and worry that they experience? And um, I answer that question in this book, Calm Parents and Children, a guidebook. But here are some things to get you started. And I also put um, some of the resources on my webpage, uh, which is gailkimball.info. 
um, I, I've been reading James Gordon's book, and so is Corinne, yeah, um, about yeah. Uh, transforming trauma. And he uses a very simple meditation technique for all ages. And he's worked with really severely stressed people like in Kosovo or Palestine, and he finds this really works. So let's do soft belly breathing. You simply breathe in through the nose and think soft. You exhale through the mouth and think belly. Soft. Belly. Or he worked with some kids who like better to think. Smell the roses. Blow out the candles. Smell the roses. Blow out the candles. And he also advocates a kind of breathing technique calls, he calls chaotic breathing, where you do what yoga calls breath of fire and you flap your wings and you go. Um, so that's a good one to do if you're feeling kind of stuck and anxious, you can flap your wings, get out of it. <laughs> Um, it's good. <laughs> and he says it's good to put on, you know, like electronic fast music and shake and dance, change the music and um, freestyle dance to get your yayas out. Um, he likes us to draw a picture of ourselves, a picture of ourselves and a problem, a picture of ourselves and a solution. And um, we did that in our uh, Tuesday group and that found it useful. Very. Um, and then I'm a big fan of Brain Gym. Brain Gym was developed for kids with learning disabilities. And what they found is if for anybody, if our body is aligned right, right, left brain, left side of the body, we're homolateral. And homolateral means that we get fuzzy brained we bump into things get klutzy can't think clearly and so what we want to be is bilateral so before i do any workshop i always have people do some cross calls and you can also muscle test to see if you're uh scrambled if you're homolateral so a muscle test is you take your dominant middle finger, you push with the, the finger next to it on the nail bed. If it's a strong statement, um, it'll stay strong. If it's weak, it'll crumble. So um, this is the year uh, 1841. Okay. Um, this is the year 2023. Um, yeah. So it oftentimes I'll I'll switch I'll be switched. Usually people test on their name. So my name is Gail, my name is Minnie Mouse. But if I test strong on Minnie Mouse, then I know I need to cross crawl and drink water. Um and then another really good coping technique is emotional freedom technique or other branches of energy psychology that usually work with the meridians. So it's Chinese traditional medicine. And EFT, I posted on the website under resources for parents and children, a series of articles by EFT practitioners who've done the work with kids. Um, and then there's a professor at Davis named Emmons, Professor Emmons, and he, he's done all kinds of research on gratitude. And all kinds of studies show that people have better outcomes if they keep a daily gratitude journal. So what I suggest is that every family with kids or grandkids, one of the routines at dinner time is what are you grateful for today? And you go around the, the table and chair. So yeah, I, I would add that. And then it, it's good to, to write it in the gratitude journal too. And 
some people have like a gratitude jar and you put your what you're grateful for in the jar and then read it later when you need a lift or something. Um, we also know that people have better outcomes or more resilient if they help others. Um, so I would add an addition to a gratitude journal, do a kind act daily and talk about it at dinner. What was the kind thing you did? So it could be smiling at the bus driver and saying, thank you. Um, I just had a, a waitress at a restaurant, a little cafe in a small town. Um, she said, she told my son, oh, your mother comes in here and she, she's so kind, she's so sweet. And it made me wanna cry because I had made a special point of being, reaching out to that waitress because she was a little reserved and a little crusty at first. So I thought, oh, that's so interesting that she really got my, I was kind of love bombing her <laughs> and she got it. <laughs> Um, so those are some things to do often and, um, of course, limit social media. That's really important. Um, I have a CD for kids, um, visualization tools and exercises for kids mind power. And these visualizations were inspired by Louis Bostwick. So uh, we can do some of them. Um, there, the idea is that we know thoughts have power. We know that intention is a way of focusing thought and heightening its power. And a visualization is a way to <clears throat> laser, laser focus the thought. So I, I do a lot of visualizations in, in my work with clients and students. So to ground, we can think of a big tree taproot from the base of the spine, deep in the earth. And it has two functions. We can use it to connect to the earth and be grounded and strong, just like a big redwood tree with a deep, deep root. And we can use it to release. So we just think, I don't have to know what it is, anything that's bugging me, anything that's not my energy. I breathe it down the grounding pipe. And you can ground a room, you can ground a vehicle, you can ground another person if you do it with their energy, not yours. Um, so grounding, you can ground a project, like if a child has a test they're worried about, they can put a grounding pipe on the test. Um, another visualization tool inspired by Louis Bostwick at the Berkeley Psychic Institute is to, which he never wrote about, by the way. So I did in my book, Essential Energy Tools, um, to get centered what we're doing is aligning with the sixth chakra between the eyebrows. The chakras are centers of energy and they're also the containers of the unconscious mind. So all our memories, experiences, beliefs are stored in the chakras. They're, they're really influential. And the sixth chakra is important for this work because it's neutral. If we go, Oh my God, we were reacting from our second chakra. I said, I just felt it in my gut. I had butterflies in my stomach. Or we feel like sympathy in the heart chakra. Oh, or oh. So we want to do all our work from the sixth. And the way we visualize that is we imagine a room in the center of the head and sitting in a um, chair. I have a picture of it in the next slide. Um, to energize, imagine that there's a gold sun over your head. You fill it with amusement, joy, good health, relaxation, and you talk yourself, it opens up like warm honey, flows through the head, neck, across the shoulders, down the arms. 
fills the thoracic cavity and all that's in it, the abdominal cavity, goes down through the thighs, knees, calves, and feet. And then, especially if we're out and about, like in a shopping mall or something, or at school, in a crowded place, it's good to put up clear definitions of your boundary, no trespassing signs. And you can just put your favorite thing all the way around. Like I've had little boys put up baseball mat, bats, no, no, baseball gloves. And girls could too, if they love baseball mat gloves all the way around the field. Or I was working with a surfer and he wanted sea sponges all the way around his energy field. So whatever works, the traditional symbol is a rose. Um, and then the idea is that that thing absorbs energy before it gets into your energy field. And then when they get kind of full, you blow them up like with fireworks and create new ones. Um, and then healing, you can imagine that you have a little gold bubble in your hands, fill it with healing energy with your intention, draw it from the earth or the heavens, and then imagine sending it to you, a place that needs healing or a person who needs a little assist. Um, also in the, the line of Lewis Bostwick, how do you get answers to questions? Um, we go to that room in the center of the head because that aligns us with the sixth chakra. And I explain all this in a essential energy tools, how to develop your clairvoyant and healing abilities. And Bostwick liked the image of a reading screen, he called it, and a reading triangle. And um, that you, if you want to get the answer to a question, you ask it which is really important to ask the question. And then you stay in your command chair, your throne in the center of your head, and you look on your screen. And that's a way to keep you from jumping into the other person's head, which is kind of a natural reaction. Is I wanna know what's going on with you, I'm gonna jump into your head. But that's, that, I've, I've done experiments and in workshops and it gave people a headache to do that. So we don't want to do that. We want to stay in our own room, be objective and read from the six. So if you're ever reading clairvoyantly and you are have an emotional reaction, you know that some of your stuff got lit up, your issues, or you're reading from your second emotional center, your heart chakra center, so you just think, deep breath, be in the room in the center of my head. And then we already talked about, you can muscle test. Does my body need more vitamin C? I get a yes. Does my body need more calcium? I get a no. If, if I'm traveling and need to buy water, I'll go. I'm gonna get the water bottle that tests strong. It's, it's a good tool. And if people don't like this one, they can do the O-ring. So um, let's see, my name is Gail. My name is Donald Duck. <laughs> and other people like it where they hold the, let's say the vitamins to their solar plexus. If they go forward, it's good and a yes. If they go backwards, it's a no. Huh. Um. Okay, the third section is how do we explain the meaning of life to kids? So I put together answers to kids' deep questions and photos, and I'm inviting you to do the same thing. You can start with mine or start new with yours. So here's some examples. So um, the question is, what's God? Um, God is patterns in the universe. Look for the spiral in the shell, the rose, our DNA molecules, and this is the M74 galaxy. Um, water also spirals down a drain. 
What other patterns do you see? How do you define God? Tornadoes. Tornadoes. Um, and then another answer is God is love. One of my former students and her son, my niece at her wedding. Hmm. <laughs> now they have two kids. <laughs> this is kind of an interesting one. How do we know what's real and what's not real? Which is the real duck? Can you see which is the real duck? <laughs> right. You can see the fake ones and then the real one. And then yeah, there's, there's real ones in the back or are those fake too. No, they're, they're all fake except this one. Oh, and wow. It was really nice. A neighbor's duck happened to walk into my yard and uh -huh. I had these out. So it was, yeah, he wasn't staged. So it's, I was very true. appreciative. <laughs> 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 um, okay. So this is, please look at the basketball passes in this video. It's called the invisible gorilla. Have you ever tried that one? Oh, yeah. you have to do it with the kids. Okay. Um, but, but they have, they have a, two teams playing baseball. It's called the invisible gorilla. Okay. And I better not tell you because it'll wreck it for you. Okay. Um, Albert Einstein said, it's the theory that decides what we can observe. So you, you've, I don't know if this is true, but supposedly when the Spanish conquistadors sailed into South America bays, the, the people, the indigenous people didn't see the ships because they didn't have any framework for it. Right. Which means right. I've heard that too. Yeah. They didn't have a, a word for it. A concept. Yeah. yeah. Um, so um, people remember, see things really differently. Mm. People used to know for sure the earth was the center of the solar system. The earth was flat like a disc. And actually, a lot of people still believe that. It's coming back. <laughs> it's making a comeback. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I know. In, in, in the 19th, 19th century, doctors didn't think they needed to wash their hands. <laughs> right. Our bodies look solid, but they're over 99% empty space because atoms are mainly mm -hmm. empty. The earth seems to be still, but it's spinning. Um, yeah. So the point is that a lot of psi violates common sense. How can it be that they played Carol King's tapestry just as I was going under? When it had the, when it had been mentioned the day before, um, I, I those those synchronicities, unexplained events um, mean that the universe operates according to consciousness and not materialism. So we're there's a lot of resistance mm. to changing the paradigm. So we still operate in a materialist paradigm that what you see is what you get. Um, so this is a changing time, but it's still geared towards materialism, which is partly why we're in such big trouble. Yeah. And here's some resources. Um, email me with comments. My books are here, gailkimble.info bookstore. And then I will um, list these books um, on my little tab resources for parents and children on the um, gailkimble.info website. So Corinne, any comments, questions, anything that came up for you that we didn't get a chance to talk about? Um, I loved all of it. I thought it was so, so good. Um, do you know, I, and I don't know that you want to, you need to explain anymore how powerful thought is, but I love the example of the messages in water, how his thought has such a profound effect on the snowflakes. Uh, that for me was just like life changing when I. Oh, I'll add that. It. That's great. Um, and then actually the healing trauma and stress um, with energy, the, the book that we just started. Cindy Dale book. Love it. Energy healing with trauma and stress. Yeah, that's a good. really, really good. I like how she takes it down to kind of like the atomic level. Like she explains what cancer does to your body in the cell, you know, on the cellular form. And that just really 
has such an emotional vision, you know, it really explains it, what's happening to your body as a whole, but actually like, you know, down on such a small level, it's happening at, you know. Yeah. Um, what do you see in terms of your kids' peers' mental health? I mean, do you see this anxiety, depression at, at, in the elementary school age or not? Yeah, I think the biggest thing that I see is that with, you know, the iPads and the social media, and it's not even social media because my kids don't have Facebook pages or anything like that. It's just this instantaneous YouTube kind of television that they watch where it's constantly, you know, 15 to 30 seconds of people just trying to get your attention and to be as entertaining as possible. And so one of the things is like, the way that people talk now, you know, it's almost like it used to be the infomercials where they would come out and like the sham. Wow. You know, he's like really in your face. It's like, people just talk like that all the time now because that's what they see in these videos is these people are like overly, you know, animated and things like that. And then I think they just don't know what really you know, I think it's a lot about like what you were talking about, where the kids don't really know what reality is right now and what it looks like and how it's going to be different in the future. You know, they don't realize that things like COVID don't happen over and over and over again in a single lifetime. They're getting ready for the next COVID, mm -hmm. you know, and so they're just really unsure about that. And, you know, again, I think they look at us as parents and just feel like we're really out of touch. We're really not in tune with what's important in their world nowadays, which is totally different, you know, and as a parent, I do, I feel lost. I don't know who any of these artists are and I don't know any of these games and, you know, these words that they use, you know, it's all, it's already starting and they're not even teenagers yet. So, and they, you know, it's starting to where they don't want to talk to me. They want to talk to their friends. Oh, yeah. I know. Yeah. So I'm not cool anymore. I'm experiencing that with my grandson, 12, for sure. Yeah. It's all about peers. Do, do you find that Ellie, as a girl, has more pressure to look good, do well in school, that kind of thing? or is And boys can be going boys, but girls can't go yeah. up or not? Um, I mean, they're definitely still are the really, really rowdy boys. Like, you, they're, you know, they're just, there are. And there's the girly girls, you know, the whole posing and now everybody has a camera. And so you're constantly in the selfie mode wow. where you're constantly checking your mind and, you know, you're always looking in the mirror to see, you know, what you look like and posing in pictures instead of just naturally smiling, you know, but um, she definitely feels the need to be very girly, girly and look a certain way. But with the boys, you know, there's the rowdy, rowdy boys, and then there's the girly, girly girls. And then there is this whole pan, you know, kind of like free love. Like, I feel like it's going back to the hippies, like this, you know, this free love where it is very, they just want kind, nice, you know, other friends and they want to be able to have purple hair and Oh, so you, free love, you don't mean sex, you mean... Oh, no, 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 no. Yeah, I just mean, like, they just are, you know, they don't really even want to, like, decide one way or the other. Yeah. Kind of like, everybody is everybody, and we're all friends, and, you know. So I think there is a bigger... And, you know, it's nice because I, you know, in my generation, like, it was not safe to come out as, you know, homosexual or anything like you would get beat up or, you know, even worse. And now, you know, it's like the kids, they just know what that means and it's not a big deal. And they're getting, you know, flamboyant and really, really demonstrative about it. And so it's hard for me because I'm like, on the one hand, I do still feel that fear for these little kids in high school where I'm like, okay, I mean, that's amazing. And I'm so happy for you, but I still have that leftover, you know, well, and Cal California is different than other States for sure. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, imagine if some of these kids go back 
to a place that was not as open-minded. Yeah. And they just wouldn't even know, like to them, this is just reality. This is normal. And it's like, no, not, not everywhere. Hopefully, I mean, it soon will be more. What kind of uh, rituals or like bedtime stories or what, what do you find are really soothing and reassuring and bonding and nurturing for your kids? We talk a lot about our intentions and the powers of our thoughts. So like, we'll start out every day with like, what kind of day do you want this to be? You know, like, what kind of day are you going to have? Like you've got, you know, this test coming up and you're going to have an awesome, you know, focus today and you've got PE coming up. So you're going to have a really fun, like energetic day or, you know, whatever it is. So I've been trying to really get them to focus a lot on, you know, their self-talk and the words that they're using. So with Ellie, she struggles a lot with negative self-talk. You know, she'll just be like, well, I'm just stupid or I just don't get it, you know? And and so with her, I do a lot of, you know, repeat after being like, I am loved, I'm smart, I'm brave, I'm strong, you know, I'll do a lot of that. Um, With Max, we do, uh, we do like a scale. So every day we have like scale of one to 10, you know, how are you? And so he's always a seven. (laughs) What can we do to make it better? You know, what are like three things that we could do to make it better? And what are three things that we would change? And what, um, what's an example of something he would say? He doesn't want to have homework or he, you know, wishes that he could go play baseball with dad. You know, he doesn't want to go to school. Or, so it's usually very normal kid kind of stuff, um, you know, which I'm grateful for because before it was much bigger, much bigger issues that he was dealing with. And now I think he's getting back to just normal kid issues, which is great. Just let him be kids. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, so those are two, but I really, really like the daily gratitude check-in, like the gratitude jar and the daily kind act. I'm going to add both of those into our daily routine. For for me as a mom and a grandmother, what was important was reading a story at bedtime. It's cuddle time. It's quiet mm-hmm. time. It's yeah. practice time. Do you do something like that? We used to when the kids were little. Uh, we don't anymore. Now it's kind of like, go to bed. <laughs> <laughs> Good night. <laughs> uh, Ellie. Yeah. Matt And Max wakes up. Max is funny because, you know, the boy and him and the mom, you know, it's like I can snuggle, you know, but I can't like just like bear hug him, snuggle like I used to be able to and pick him up, you know, it's like, so it's funny with him getting as big as he is. Cause I mean, he comes up to like my shoulder now. Wow. So I can just like put my arm around him. It's not like snuggle, you know, but Ellie still likes to be snuggled because she's really, really hard to wake up in the morning. So it takes her a long time. So I'll go in there and We'll play music, we'll rub her back. And so I still Wait. sneak those little moments because <laughs> I know, you know, she'll just start getting up on her own. So I'm not, yeah. Thank you. Anything else? Are we good? I'm good. This was wonderful. I love it. Thank I- you so much. Absolutely. Thank you.